Welcome to the Messiah Podcast. We are so glad you tuned in today. Whether you are driving, doing chores, or taking a walk, we hope the Lord quiets your head and your heart to hear truth and be challenged through His Word. Without further ado, let's dive into the message. Good morning. My name is Matt Lidekanen. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, really glad that you're here and joining us. If you're joining us just online, really glad that you're here as well. I um, invite you to turn to Acts chapter 14. Um, we're at the very end of the chapter. And over the course of this chapter, we've been basically Paul's travel companions with Barnabas on their first missionary journey. And so uh, we are wrapping up that journey today. We're going to see how it all kind of resolves, and they'll return back to Antioch and Syria, and, and that's kind of where we'll, we'll wrap up today. But I want to ask you a question. Paul went on this, this missionary journey. Both Paul and Barnabas were sent out into this unknown territory, and they were just going to go and share this message. So my question, question really for all of us, is what are you willing to do for the kingdom of God? Back in 2017, what I wanted to do for the kingdom of God was to go and plant a church. And so my wife Nissa and I, we were sent out to Hoboken, New Jersey, and we were there to plant this church and, and to do this, this project. And I've wondered ever since that chapter's been behind me, would I do that again? You know, if I was like forced in some sort of like Groundhog Day scenario, where I had to repeat everything exactly the way it all happened, like, okay, you get the, you, just Nissa and I would be out there again, we'd have our kids there, we'd have, get the same people at this church, and we'd start that church in October 2019, six months before a global pandemic would hit. When we do it all again, saying goodbye to that church was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I remember when we announced that we were going to close and we were taking a new call, that amazing stories came in, just really humbling stories. Two people said to me that if it weren't for the ministry of the church and hearing about Jesus through that, they wouldn't be alive today. And that by itself is just like, whoa. And then one person said their faith in Jesus had been completely transformed. They were just kind of this lukewarm, like, whatever. I don't, you know, I'm a Christian, sure, you know. But then this completely radicalized and, and drew them to the Lord in a way that they hadn't ever experienced. And then there was somebody else who was, who was a volunteer, he came and joined our, our, our tech team. He was running sound at the theater. And he was, we called these volunteers from other churches uh, servant SWAT team members. They were servants who were willing and temporary. It was a SWAT team people. And so we, he, he was there. And he was there probably once or twice a month. Not a lot. He wasn't in Hoboken. Didn't see him every day. But he just told me at the closing service, tears in his eyes, that before volunteering to do sound at this church and to minister with the Lord Jesus Christ, that he had nearly given up on faith. He had said that God had used this plant, used this mission to reinvigorate his heart. 
And I was humbled and stunned by all of this. And I was just like, are you kidding me? Really? You use this to do that? And so I would, would I do it all again? I would. I'm glad I don't have to, but I would. And those are just a few people, and I'm sure there were more. But no matter the number, I believe it was worth it. But this is not about me. This is about all of us, circling back to the question I asked at the very start. If you are a Christian, God has invited you to join him on his mission, to tell the world about Jesus, to do something for the sake of the kingdom of God. The partner with him in restoring the world. And so what are you willing to do? For me, I'm what might be called a professional Christian. Talking about Jesus is kind of my job. It's what I do. But God hasn't called the professionals alone into this whole business of telling the world about Jesus, has he? He's called every single one of us in this church, in, in the capital C Church of Jesus Christ, into that mission. Every one of us has been sent out into this world by God to tell the world about Jesus, to do good, to be lights wherever we happen to live, work, study, and play. That's where we have been sent. And after talking up here for about 20 or so minutes, I still then will have a responsibility to leave this place and to continue to talk to other people about Jesus and to do good and to be a light in my context. And so what are we willing to do? And being Christian is not all about attending church once a week. Being a Christian is not about coming to church every couple times a month. It's, it's more than just holding a certain set of doctrines or ideals or this is how I think things ought to be. No, this is, this is, it's more than that. Christianity, being a Christian, is a lifestyle choice, if you will. It is how we live, move, and have our being. It is everything about who we are. It is, it is, it is an identity. And identity informs action. It's what motivates us. It's what we hold on to. It's how we keep going when the going gets tough. It's why we love and how we have peace and joy and why we ought to be patient and kind. It is all of that. It is loving others when they cross our paths and they intersect with us and we have an opportunity to love them and to care for them and to show them love out of the abundance of what we've received. That is what it is to be a Christian. And we've been sent with that abundance as his children, as his people, into our families, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our favorite hangouts. And he has sent us with the purpose of sharing his love and his message. And so again, what are we willing to do? Now in our reading, we read about again how Paul and Barnabas finished this missionary trip. <clears throat> and this is to be the first of three total missionary journeys that Paul would take in the course of his life. And as we've seen, over the course of Acts 14, it has not been easy. Round trip, this is a 1,400-mile deal. There were no cars. Maybe a horse. Maybe they shared. I don't know. 
No planes. I mean, this was on foot getting up there. And you can see on the screen behind me uh, how it all worked out. So we started out in Antioch, in Syria. So there's the yellow, the bright yellow on the right-hand side. Antioch's that little dot right at the top left of that country. And so he started out following the blue line, going to Cyprus, island of Cyprus, right in the middle of the Mediterranean. Salamis, Paphos, and then took a ship and went to Pamphylia, that little yellow country there, Perga, and then up into Galatia, which is the green, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and then into Derby, which is where we'll wrap up today. But it started out in Syria, and how it began was while they were worshiping, Acts chapter 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So these guys, they are bathed in prayer. They are sent out, committed to the grace of God, committed to the Lord himself. And so they take a ship and they sail and they travel that whole circuit. And so whilst they are in that region of Galatia, that green area, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, Derby, these are the things that happen. I mean, they, they don't know these people. They don't know what's going to await them. They're just going. They're just faithful. They know, they know that they are, these are cities, and they are ready to share the word of God. So in each city they visit, they, they preach the gospel. People come to know Jesus. And it's amazing. And it's awesome. People are like, oh, we want to hear more about this. But there's a lot of other people who really don't like that they are talking about Jesus. So much so that in Iconium, they found out about a secret murder plot that a bunch of people had got together and said, we got to kill these people. we got to kill this Barnabas and Saul. And so they were going to mistreat them and to stone them. And then, so they fled for their lives. And then in Lystra, they healed a man that was lame from birth, and people there got so excited that they thought that the gods had come, and they were about to prepare a sacrifice to Barnabas and Paul. And they were like, please don't. We are just people. And then just as the crowd calmed down, their opponents from Antioch, so look at that. I mean, that's far, okay? That's, that's not a bike ride or a light jaunt. That was a good distance. They followed these people because they hated Paul and Barnabas that much, they hated this message that much, that they were like, we've got to get these guys. We have to murder them. I mean, that was really their intent. And they persuade this crowd that was just about to worship two men, and they persuade them to stone Paul. And so this mob smashes Paul with stones, and he's so badly injured that they drag his limp body out of the city because they think this guy is dead. Do you know how badly beat up you've got to be to look dead? Really bad, okay? I know we read this last week, but this is just one of those sentences in the Bible where you just really would have loved the author to anticipate a couple of reader questions. You're just like, okay, how did that happen? Verse 20 of chapter 14, but after the disciples had gathered around Paul, this nearly dead person, he got up 
and went back into the city. Wait, wait, he was so badly injured, he's dragged physically from the town by an angry mob, and then he goes back into the city? Are you kidding me? So is it like just after a bit of a breather? You know, how did he put a Band-Aid on it? And then they got, he got up and went back in? I don't know. Luke doesn't explain. But then it gets better. In the next sentence, Luke very casually just says, and then the next day, he got up and left for Derby. The next day. I would imagine if he had a physician, he would say against the doctor's orders. He went the next day to Derby. That was 60 miles to Derby. I mean, I'm hoping that he at least had a horse or something, but I mean the next day. And then to go preach the gospel in that town. Now, let's just imagine you were the third missionary. And you're sitting there at night. And Paul's just like, we're going we're gonna to get up and go to the next town tomorrow. W- would you have cautioned him? Be like, whoa, 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 Paul. Maybe take like a week <laughs> just to relax a minute. You were just stoned today. Do you think we should continue talking about this thing, this, this gospel in public? People have plotted to murder us in the last three towns, and they, all, they almost succeeded today. Do we think we should keep going? And maybe he had people like this talking to him. But Paul goes to Derby, And in verse 21, they preach the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. So if you'll consider the map again, Notice where Derby is. So there it is, right in the corner, on the right-hand side of the, the big green section. If you follow that purple line down to Tarsus and Cilicia, and then Antioch, that was, that was where they started. So, gosh, well, that's great. You don't, we don't have to go back the way we came. We can just go back to Antioch and take this nice road without lots of trouble. Tarsus is hometown for Saul, so that should be good, right? But that is not what Paul does. He took the yellow line and goes back to Lystra, where he was stoned, back to Iconium, where they wanted to murder him, back to Antioch in Pisidia, and then down back to Antioch So Luke says, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. So risking life and limb, Paul and Barnabas 
set out on this journey. They did not know what was going to happen. And then again, they went back the way they came. Would you have done that? I suspect not. They knew what was lurking in these towns, and they went back there for these people, for these Christians that had come to faith because of the words that they preached. They didn't know these people. And the purpose was to go and care for them, the people that they barely even knew, some of them still complete strangers. And they appointed elders through prayer and fasting and committed all of these people into the care of the Lord. So yes, not only did they go once, but twice into extremely dangerous territory for the sake of the kingdom and for the gospel, for the sake of people they barely even knew. So, again, what are you willing to do for the sake of the kingdom? Would you be like Paul? Would you risk your life for the sake of a complete stranger's eternity? I don't know. Not if we're depending on our own strength and our own love. We wouldn't do it. Paul writes in Romans later on, very rarely will anyone dare die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Maybe if they're good. Maybe if they're a decent human being, I might go out of my way to be of assistance and to share this good news. Probably I'd do something if they were my own son or my own daughter, my own grandson, my own granddaughter. But even then, how far would we go? But God? But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, Paul, God went on his own missionary journey. St. John writes he came to his own people, and even his own people didn't accept him. These were, not, these were not perfect strangers. These are his chosen people, and they rejected him. They threw him out like Paul, beaten inside of the, the city of Jerusalem within an inch of his life, and then forced to drag a cross on his own back outside the city where he was hung and nailed on it to die. And not only did the Son of God die for us sinners who would believe in him, he also died for the sinners who never would. And that's the thing that grabs me. See, God did not like calculate, okay, I'm going to die for this many people. I know how many people are going to believe in me. I'm just going to die for that many people. No, it says that in John chapter 3 that God so loved the world that he gave. He paid for the sins of everybody. It's up to us. If it's up to us and our love and our abilities, there is not a possibility that we could do what Paul and Barnabas did. There is no way that we could do what God did for us. But that's the point. This type of love and sacrifice is impossible. Paul knew that. But Paul and Barnabas did not go it alone. Paul and Barnabas went with God. And with God, 
nothing shall be impossible. See, Paul and Barnabas, they weren't sent out on this journey empty-handed. In verse 26, Luke writes that when they went, returned to Antioch, he, he indicates this, it was where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. They had been committed to the unrelenting, undeserved, overflowing grace of God. Committed to God's never, step, never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Committed to the God who had from the start committed himself to them. So what are you willing to do for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom? Today you're not committed to be Paul or Barnabas. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Saul and Barnabas for the task to which I've appointed them. And they were committed to the grace of God and they went with his power and they went with his love and they went with his grace. What is the thing? Who are the people for whom God is saying to you today, set apart for me yourself for the work that I have in store for you? Today, you're committed to the grace of God. And you're committed to be faithful to him in the places he already has you. Not to go into the big wide world, out there, far away. No, he's committed you to be where you already are. Among the people you're already with. The ones you work with, the ones you hang out with, the ones you live with, that's where he's committed you to be. He's committed you to be a missionary in the relationships you already have and to share God's love even in the midst of the hardest trials. And so what are those trials in this day-to-day life? Now, if you're a parent, sometimes you have brutally hard days with your kids. And if you're married, sometimes your spouse just bugs you. And if all things being fair, you bug them. And some of you might hate your job and the Sunday scares are like, they're very real and just you're, you're anxious about work tomorrow. And some of you might have really crummy neighbors. But it is to these places and to these people that you are called and sent to witness and to love and to be kind when they don't deserve it. To be patient when anyone else would be flying off the handle. To show love when anyone else would be angry. And is that from your own resources? No. It's from the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit who comes alongside you, who empowers you, who equips you to be Christ to those people in those moments, in those places. And life isn't always hard, right? Work doesn't always stink, and relationships aren't always sour. When the going's good, get going on mission with Jesus. And this doesn't mean being weird or super religious or anything like that, passing out tracts at every possible opportunity. That's not what we have in mind here. But this means simply doing what Jesus did. It means using everyday opportunities to love and to teach and to, do, and to teach others to do the same. 
And earlier this week, I felt the joy of what this looks like in practice. This is just one thing. On my car on the way to school, I take Naomi to Kids Creek. She's my four-year-old. And on that particular day, we, we listened to the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones in the car. And this day, we listened to the story about the woman who was healed with a flow of blood, having, been, having had it for 12 years, and then the raising of Jairus' daughter. And so after we heard the story, I hit the pause button. I said, Naomi, what does that story tell us about Jesus? And she thought about it for a second. She said, Jesus is a healer. I said, so how can we be like Jesus today? And so she thought again. And she said, well, I could give someone a hug if they're not feeling good. Or I could help someone if they feel sad. And me, sitting in the front seat, just like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's a perfect answer. And then we got inside and I saw something amazing happen. Some of the kids are coming back from this big room that they all hang out in before school. They come running in and one of the kids fell. He's like two years old and he, he fell and he spilled his water cup. And he got up, he looked, he looked upset. And so then Naomi looked over and noticed. And she walked over to him and she said, this is it, are you okay? And then he nodded and he walked away. But you, know, you see how unremarkable that was? And yet how beautiful that is when we seek the kingdom and we notice people. How, how can we do that? How can we be a little bit more like Jesus in that way? To be present and to notice people, to care when they're sad, to ask how they're really doing, to be kind and going out of our way, to do something that we wouldn't normally do to, to, to help somebody with a tire on the side of the road. to be patient in tutoring a friend through an assignment, to be gentle with our kids who've had a rough day, and we all sought to be a little bit more like Jesus. In the everyday, you know, I had imagined we'd have a lot of opportunities to do something for the kingdom and to tell others about Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for the everyday opportunities that you set apart each one of us for a purpose, for good works that we might walk in them, it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. God, we have been created anew. God, you have committed yourself to us, and we, in baptism, have been committed to your grace. And since we are children of our Heavenly Father, and since we do have the resources of the kingdom in abundance, God, would you help us to seek those moments, those opportunities, those everyday circumstances where we can share everything that we have with someone who may not have a lot. Love, joy, peace, patience, and the rest. Help us do that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope you are challenged and encouraged to walk in truth in your everyday. 
Please share with friends and family, and we can't wait to have you next time on the Messiah Podcast.